Good morning. Good to be with you this morning, man. Um, I don't know. I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, this road trip series as much as I have. It's been to me so fun to just be a, a participant in that, just be able to listen to and, and hear a listener of what the, the travels are and all the different things that we've been doing over the last five weeks. And it's been really fun as we've been gone, going through that because I know a lot of us right now we've had opportunities to get on the road and take a road trip. I mean, I think after last year we were all like ready to say, okay. Let's get the heck out of Dodge. Let's go do something, right? We wanted to go somewhere and go someplace. Whether you were on the road or whether you were in the air or on a boat, man, you're like, yes, let's just go. Let's go do something. So it's been fun to, as we've been traveling and going along and seeing pictures of people posting different things about traveling, that we've been taking road trip with Jesus. And throughout this series, that's what we've been doing. Week one, we went to Jesus. We went to a wedding. We went to then a lake the second week. The third week, went to a beach, went to a pool. Last week, we went home with Jesus. And for those of you that have made a trip home, you realize that, man, Jesus understands what it's like going home sometimes. You know, he wasn't even accepted there. Like all of those things that you deal with sometimes when you go home. And today we're going to go with Jesus to the mountains. We're going to head to the mountains. How many people here grew up in Colorado? All right, a good number of you. So I don't know if you've gotten to the spot where you're like, okay, yeah, the mountains are there. I kind of see it. I don't maybe, I don't, I don't love them as much. I don't, I don't really go that often. Um, I, I guess I can somewhat understand it because if you grow up here, sometimes you take things for granted once you're at a, a spot for a little while. And maybe it's just those things that you're like, well, I really go to the mountains now when I have guests come, when I have people come stay with me because, you know, they're coming every single month. So we're going up to the mountains with them. Sometimes you can kind of get that way. But, but for me, I absolutely love the mountains. Now, I didn't grow up here and maybe that's part of it, but I love the mountains. Um, a few weeks ago, I talked about my wife, her favorite, her happy place was the, the beach. Mine is the mountains. I love going to the mountains. And so this last weekend, um, we got to take some time, Isaac, came back from, my son came back from um, Phoenix and um, I, him uh, and Jake and uh, Terry and myself, we all headed up to Copper Mountain to enjoy some time. We went up there, we, we went on a hike and, and this is um, after we rode a chairlift up and we got hit with hail on the way up. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in, in a chairlift where you have no place to go and you just get pelted. It was actually a little interesting. We're like, okay, just get there, just get there. We're like just getting hit by all those things. But then the sun came out and it was beautiful. We got some other pictures that was going on. We just had a really good time, the, all of us being together, um, spending some time. We missed Sam and Josie. We wish they could have been here as well. But man, we had a great time just going and getting away. And it's hard for me to describe what I feel, what, what goes on inside of me when I go to the mountains. There's, there's a sense of peace. Um, I think there's a sense of awe, just, a, a, just a, a time just to be quiet and just to be alone and, and to be with God, tranquility. I, I just, I really love the mountains. I've also had some, some really cool God experiences in the mountains. I actually was baptized um, when I was in the mountains. I actually have had some day, days where I've taken retreat days and I've just gone away just to spend time with God listening and praying and studying and just really being with him. And a lot of people have mountaintop experiences. Maybe you have some of your own. I think that it's interesting throughout the Bible, the mountains had a significant presence. Um, in, in fact, in, in the mountains, um, or in, in the Bible, mountains or hills are mentioned over 500 times. Part of that is probably because of a lot of the events that took place were, were in mountainous areas, but, but the, the topography of all that kind of shows that. But there's also, I think, throughout the Bible, we see that God revealed himself often on the mountaintop. 
I think that's why we often as Christians think about the mountaintops and think about those experiences. And we think, well, man, we want to go to the mountains. We get, get to go closer to heaven, closer to God, right? We get to be up there. But this is, I think, one of those things that we look at. And we look in the Bible and there's all kinds of times the mountains are mentioned. Um, even in the Old Testament, you look back in the Old Testament, you see um, mountains like Mount Sinai or Mount Zion. You know, Mount Zion was where the city of David was, where Solomon's temple was put, where the presence of God dwelled. And so you have that significance of Mount Zion being kind of a significant place in the Bible. We think of Mount Sinai. Uh, many of you probably heard of that when you think of uh, Moses and the Ten Commandments and, and how he came down from the mountain with the tablets in his hands. He, that was Mount Sinai that he was there and bringing that. We look at all of those experiences in the Old Testament, a lot more stories as well that took place in the mountains. We move to the New Testament. We see Jesus often go, going away to the mountains to, to teach, to, to pray, to, to get away from the crowds and just to spend some time with the Father. And in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew alone, we see three incredibly significant events that took place on the mountain. In Matthew chapter 4, um, we see that, that uh, Jesus had just started his, his ministry. He was just baptized and he was taken away by Satan to, to the mountains to be tempted. He was put on the mountaintop as he looked and said, and Satan was telling him, hey, you can have all of this. All of this can be yours if you'll just bow down and worship me. And he's like, no, no, that's not how things are going to work, Right. We look in, in Matthew 5 through 7, we see the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus gave instructions on how it was and what it looked like to, to live in the kingdom of God and how to, to live a life that's dedicated to pleasing God. And there's, there's so much good stuff in those three chapters alone that, man, that we could dev devote probably several series itself just to that, um, that sermon that was given then. And then in Matthew 17, we come to the transfiguration of Jesus. And this event is where I want to spend our time today. So if you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Matthew chapter 17. Uh, Matthew is the verse, first book in the New Testament. Um, if, you, if you have your Bibles with you, um, you can bring them. Uh, if you don't have anyone, there's, there's some in the back. And if you're online and you would like some, man, we'd love to be able to send one to you. So, so let us know. You can also download the Bible app. It's okay to bring your phone out and, and open and look in there. We'd love for you to follow along as we go. We're going to be um, right at the very beginning. Matthew 17, verse 1. It says, Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. So right away, boom, right away, they're climbing a high mountain. They're heading up, and I love that last little phrase, to be alone. See, that's one of the things that I love most about the mountains is just getting up and being alone. Now, I, I love you guys. I really, I really do, probably more than you even realize. And I love being with you, but I also love time just being alone, being away from the hustle and the bustle and the craziness of life. And now God exists in both places. He does, and we can find him in the, in, in the craziness. But the reality is that sometimes we just need to get away to be with him. So Peter, James, and John, they're all heading up the mountaintop, and they're, they're up there. In verse 2, it says, As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. All right, so they reach the summit. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I've climbed a tall mountain, a 14-er uh, one, and it's probably the last one, but I climbed it. I made it, and I was, I was really happy just to get to the top of that. But now here they are. They've, they've climbed. They got to the top of this mountain, and Jesus says, and it says, the Bible says that Je they saw Jesus being transformed. They saw him being transformed. And the, the Greek word that was used here in the original text is, is translated into our English word, metamorphosis. 
So that transformation was a metamorphosis. And when I think of metamorphosis, I think of a caterpillar to a butterfly, right? So it's not just a slight change. There was a significant change, not just this, this idea that, okay, they, he got, they got up to the top of the mountain and the, the sun was shining bright and Jesus had white on and, and it was his, his, the reflection was kind of coming across. So that was really what was happening. No, it was much more than that. This was a metamorphosis. It was a change of an inward nature to bring that outwardly experience, the outward appearance of really what his divinity of the inside of who Jesus was all about. It was a transformation. It was a metamorphosis. Let's not skip over this because I think this is absolutely huge. Peter, James, and John are witnesses to seeing God himself. Not just God in human form in Jesus as we often see him and hear him walking the earth, but that moment they see God, the creator of everything. Now, I think a lot of times we go to movies and we, we see things up on the screen and they have incredible, you know, uh, computer graphic, uh, graphics and all the kind of things that are awesome. And they're like, man, that is, that is so cool. That's, that's awesome. And we, we may get desensitized to a little bit of what's happening here. See, this wasn't happening on a screen. This was happening in front of the disciples' eyes. And they were awestruck. They were absolutely awestruck, taking all of us in. Verse 3, it says, Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. And if you don't know who Moses and Elijah, um, are, they are, they're really heroes from the faith from, from long time ago. Moses um, was around about 1,400 years earlier and Elijah about 900 years earlier. And the, the, the question is, well, what, why did they appear? What was, what was the significance of them appearing? Well, Moses represented the Old Testament, the law, and Elijah represented the prophets. And as we, as we talk about earlier here, and we look at these things, we, we see in that moment, Jesus was being shown as the fulfillment of the law and the prophecies of him coming, about this whole coming of the Messiah. And there's another moment, this is just another moment of the Bible confirming that that was Jesus. That was Jesus. But we're not done yet. In the midst of this incredible event of Jesus transforming, Moses and Elijah appearing, Peter, being Peter, blurts out, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I will make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Well, we don't know why, Jesus, why Peter said these things. We don't know if it was he saw the three and he thought, oh man, I want to I hold on to this moment. So I'm going to contain it for me and the other disciples. We're just going to create these spaces. Maybe he was just being hospitable. But whatever it was, it didn't last long. Because in verse 5, it says, But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Okay, picture that moment for just a second. First, Jesus being transformed in front of their eyes. Moses and Elijah showing up from nowhere. And then this booming voice of God speaking to them, interrupting Peter and basically saying, hey, this moment right now, this moment is not about Moses. This moment is not about Elijah. This moment is all about my son, God incarnate, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of this world. This moment is all about the power of God coming to earth through my son to save mankind from total destruction. This moment is all about Jesus. See, God reaffirms who Jesus is, but I love the simple 
command that he gives them. Listen to them. If you're taking notes today, this is the first observation from the mountaintop experience with Jesus I want to touch on today is listen to him. See, in this world, there's a lot of people that are, are talking. They have a lot of things to say, including even me right now. I mean, I want you to know that when I, before I come out of here, I, I pray that God, let my words be your words. And if there's anything that I say that is not from you, Lord, help them fall on deaf ears. Help them be forgotten immediately because there's such um, just weight that I hold on to of just being able to communicate the gospel, communicate the word of God. I think that's really what we look at, what's happening here. And one of the benefits and also the challenges of some of the things that we have going on with technology and the availability of so many more people is that we have a lot of voice in an audience. And, and that's not all bad unless we listen to other people before we listen to Jesus. We need to be starting by listening to Jesus. I love how Charles Spurgeon, a famous 19th century preacher, put it. He said, if Peter be our master, let us call him so. If Calvin be our master, let us call him so. If Wesley be our master, let us call him so. Now, these were all big teachers from the past. If, if you don't know or you're familiar with them, and a modern day example of that might be if, if Andy Stanley be our master or, or Craig Rochelle, or even bring it closer to home, if Brandon Freda be our master. I mean, we can all understand that, right? Let us call him so. But Sturgeon finishes his thought with this. He says, but if we be disciples of Jesus, then let us follow Jesus and let's follow him with other men only so far as we perceive they followed Christ. That's such a good word. Because when it comes to this idea of hearing from God, it can sometimes be confusing. It can sometimes be something that seems like, I don't understand. I don't know, really know what that really looks like. Now, I feel like I've, I've felt like I've heard from God in my life before. It's really one of those hard things to describe. I've, I, some people have said, hey, they, I've heard audibly from God. I'm not one of those people. In fact, I believe that, that God often talks to me. But I think when he talks to me sometimes, well, actually, probably a lot of the times, I don't listen very well. And I'm busy with my other things. And so I think it's learning to listen better with that. But I think, I think when we look into this, one of the things that really helps me listen better is when I spend time with him. When I get into the, his word, when I start reading scripture, when I, I separate some time, even like I talked about, about getting away and, and, and just being alone and, and just having the, the hustle and bustle of life kind of pushed away. As I mentioned earlier, you know, some of my mountaintop experiences, my best ones are really some of those times of getting away in, in a retreat. And I look back and this last week as I was reflecting on this and thinking, I don't get away enough. I don't, I don't do this often enough. I think about some of those experiences. I'm like, it's been years since I've really taken that time. So even this last week, one of the things I did with our staff, I said, hey, we're going to, over the next six months, we're going to designate a day to go do that. Because I know I need that myself to go, to, to be really specific about that, saying, hey, I'm going to go away and spend time just with him. I can think about one of my times that was so impactful to me is I, some friends had a, a, a cabin that they said, hey, why don't you go, go get away for, for a night? So I did. And there was no TV. There was no cell phone reception. There was nothing, just me and God. Just being there, just to, to listen and to, to pray out loud, to go on a walk and just, just to be with him, listening to him. How are you? How are you at taking the time and making situations, creating situations to listen to him. You don't have to go on a, away on a retreat, but, but I think we do have to be much more intentional than sometimes we really are. Is there something that God 
wants to say to you today. Maybe something he said before, but something he just wants to reinforce and say it to you again. Have you slowed down your life enough that you're able to hear him? Have you quieted other things around you enough to be able to hear from him? This was key, absolutely key for the disciples. And I think it's still so incredibly vital for us today. All right, so how did the disciples respond to hearing the voice of God? Verse 6 says, The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. I think we can understand that. After all that they just experienced, all the different things that they can see, they were just terrified and they just, they just broke down all the way down to the ground. What do we see Jesus do next? Verse 7, Then Jesus came over and he touched them. Get up, he said, and don't be afraid. Get up, don't be afraid. What an incredibly powerful moment. And that leads me to my second observation from the mountaintop. And that's what was said in verse 7. Get up. Don't be afraid. See, my guess is that fear exists in most of our lives. I mean, fear is something I think that, that has continued to grow and grow and grow and exists in all of our society today. My guess is that most people deal with some level of fear. Fear of losing what we love. Fear of, of something that's happening or something that might happen. Fear of not being enough. Fear of, of the challenges, the mountains that we see before us. The statement from Jesus wasn't just about not being afraid, though. It is led with a command for action. It says, get up. Get up. And we saw this command a couple weeks ago when, when Pastor Brandon talked about the, the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda. That we, he got to that spot where he talked to the, the paralytic and he said, man, do you want to be healed? But then he told him, get up, pick up your mat and follow me. What does you think about all of those things in the midst of our fears, in the midst of our challenges, Jesus wants us to take action and stand up even despite the fears that are trying to keep us down. Now, I don't know for you what challenges you might be facing but sometimes those challenges keep us down. They keep us from taking any action, from, from moving forward. Maybe it's a family relationship. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. Maybe it's your health, whether it's physical or, or whether it's mental. Maybe it's your job. Maybe things just aren't working out the way that you'd hoped that they would work out. And fear has overtaken you. Lift your eyes towards Jesus. Listen to him. Get up. And don't be afraid, because he is with you. Verse 8. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. This brings me to my third and final observation from the mountaintop experience, and that is to know that Jesus is enough. Know that Jesus is enough. Because it says when they, when they lifted their eyes and they looked up, all they saw was Jesus. Because Jesus was enough. Now you think that they, that story could have ended very differently and it would have very, very different repercussions, couldn't have it? I mean, they could have opened their eyes and seen nobody. And they would have wondered, is this, did this all really happen? Was this, was this real? Or is this something that I imagined? Am I, am I dreaming? What's going on here? What am, I, what am I really seeing? But no, that's not what happened. What if they would have lifted their eyes and only seen Moses? And they would have been, been still held with the law and they would have missed out on the, on, the, on the grace 
and the, the release of what Jesus brought to us in himself. But no, that's not what happened. And what if it was only Elijah? And it would have been, okay, that was a great man. And he had powerful words, but his powerful words didn't come to fruition in the person of Jesus who he was prophesying about. No, that didn't happen either. And what if they would have just looked up and all three would have been there? They thought, oh, is it three better than one to have all the powerful men of the, of the faith there together? But that wasn't the case. Because when the disciples opened their eyes, it was Jesus. And it was only Jesus. Because Jesus was all that they needed. Jesus is enough. And friends, that is good, good news. As we've, as we've traveled with Jesus throughout this series, we've consistently seen that Jesus is enough. When you think about it, going back to the, the wedding at Cana and seeing, witnessing that miracle of, of turning water into wine and realizing that, man, we need to invite Jesus into our everyday, the everyday occurrences of our life because we know that Jesus is enough. And we would travel to the lake and we were faced with storms in our life. We realized that, man, Jesus is enough to calm the storms of our life. When we go to the, him with the beach and we, we realize that, man, we're going to fail. We're, we're going to fall short. We're going to not be able to earn anything that we, we can have as far as our faith in Jesus. And we don't need to because Jesus is enough. When we go to the pool and we're dealing with life's hurts, habits, and hangups, and Jesus is asking us, do you want to be healed? We realize saying yes because Jesus is enough. When you go home and you get rejected because of your faith and you think it's hard, realize that, man, Jesus is the one and Jesus is enough. Our life, we can see mountains in our lives in two different ways. We can see mountains in our lives as obstacles that can cause fear and that can keep us down. Or we can see mountains as opportunities for us to lean in closer to Jesus and see him and to lean on his promises, to follow him, to, to listen to him, to trust in him, to know that no matter what we face, no matter what's going on in our lives, that Jesus is enough. Matthew 17 ends with this verse, and I absolutely love it. It says, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move because nothing would be impossible. I absolutely love that truth. See, church, with Jesus, nothing is impossible. So if you find yourself in the midst of something today that you see like, ah, I don't know that I can get through this. I don't know that, that I can be able to do it. Know that Jesus is enough and our faith in him is what really matters as we look to him and we trust him, we put our faith and our trust in him. Don't be afraid. Know that Jesus is by our side. Take action, get up and know that he is enough. And if you're here today or if you're watching online and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you that that's, that first step, that can be a mountaintop experience for you today. To have that experience of saying, gosh, I know that I can't do it. I've tried to do everything on my own. I've tried to do it my way, and I keep running into roadblocks. And we just say, turn it over and say, God, I need you. Because Jesus, I know that you're enough. And trust that Jesus came to save you and me from our sins. And all we have to do is, with, is just say, hey, 
Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and leader of my life. And the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord, you will be saved. And the Holy Spirit will come into your life and fill you up and make you whole again. If you've never made that decision and you want to make that decision today, I want to encourage you to do that. I also encourage you to follow up and, and, and let us let one of our pastors know because we'd love to be able to help you take some next steps in that. And speaking of next steps, one thing I want to I want to lean into you a little bit is this thing that I talk about. Another one of my mountaintop experiences was, was being baptized. See, I was baptized as an infant. I grew up in a Lutheran church and, and I was baptized as a baby. And when I was baptized as a baby, that's really my parents saying, hey, I'm going to raise this child up to know Jesus. We do them here called child dedication, where we, we have families come up here, they hold their babies, and they say, hey, we're going to dedicate this child to God. We were going to raise this child to know Jesus. And one of the things about making a decision later on in life, when I was an adult, that decision was for me. That was my decision to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. So if you have never been baptized where it's your decision, I want to encourage you to lean in and do so. And sometimes when I say that, people think, gosh, you know what? But, but I was baptized as, a, as an infant. I don't want to hurt my family's feelings. I want you to know I think it's the best way to honor what your parents did because they honored you. Their, they, their whole idea was to bring you up to know Jesus, and that's that confirmation of you making a public de- declaration. There's nothing magic about baptism. It's just an, it's an outward response for something that's happened inside. So I want to encourage you, if you've never been baptized before, let us know because we want to do, we want to celebrate with you on August 8th. If you heard at the very beginning, we're going to have a baptism bash. We're moving down to one service for that Sunday at 10 o'clock, and we're going to have a big party outside. We're going to have a baptismal out there for you to be baptized with, and we would love to have you come and join us in that. We're going to have food. There's going to be games. I'll have all kinds of fun afterwards, but the most important part of that is to celebrate people in baptism. So I want to encourage you, if you want to be part of that, let us know, and we would love to have you come join us and be part of that, all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for who you are. Father, we thank you for just the things that you've done um, in our life. Um, Thank you for um, being uh, the rock for us, being our mountaintop experience in whatever that was, whether that was just our decision to follow you, whether that was our decision to be baptized, whether that was um, just the the daily um, walk with you, how you meet us wherever we are. And Father, we want to lift you up, but we also want to ask for all those who are seeking you desperately, Lord, for them just to be able to open their heart to you and trust you and know, Father, that you are enough. That despite whatever's happening in our lives, whatever challenges that we face, that we need to listen to you. We need to get up, not be afraid. But most of all, we need to know, know that you're enough. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We pray all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.